All right, political theory and um, other stuff. Mike and Paul doing capitalist realism, chapter eight, part one. Part one, and I'm just gonna be honest here. I lost the we file, lost. the audio we file. Lost. No, no, no. I lost the file for fucking um, the original recording. So this is a re-recording of that episode. The audio sounds a little different. Hopefully it sounds better. I also, because I am awesome, uh, don't have my book. Uh, my book is in my storage unit because I thought we were done with the book and because I live in a tiny space. Um, so Paul is going to be doing the reading today, but I'm sure uh, that everyone is, is heartbroken about that. I'm sure there are tons of people out there just furious that I'm not going to be reading today. And but also, yeah. uh, if this episode isn't that good, just understand the episode we lost was a masterpiece. Um, right, so right. So you got to get yeah. some slack on this. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Totally. I mean, we, we literally we literally had Mark Fisher yeah. come on and do an yes. interview for it. Even though he's dead, we, we somehow yeah. and, resurrected him. Uh, we'll never him, be so. able to replicate that, uh, the magic we had to use. Uh, right. Totally. A little totally. dark, a little scary. We're not going to do that again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So, Paul, if you want to take probably away. why the episode's gone. To be honest, we shouldn't have meddled with such right, dark right. forces. Yes, <laughs> such dark forces for sure. For All right. Sure. So, the title of this chapter is "There's No Central Exchange." <clears throat> All right. Although excoriated by both neoliberalism and neoconservatism, the concept of the nanny state continues to haunt capitalist realism. The specter of big government plays on essential libidinal function for capitalist realism. It is there to be blamed precisely for its failure to act as a centralizing power. The anger ad directed at it, much like the fury Thomas Hardy supposedly spat at God for not existing, time and again, James Meek observed in an LRB piece on water privatization in Britain. Conservative and labor governments have discovered that when they give powers to private companies and those private companies screw up, voters blame the government for giving the powers away rather than the companies for misusing them. Meek was visiting Tewkesbury, one of the British towns that was the victim of serious flooding in 2007, a year after the disaster. On the face of it, the flooding and consequent failure of services was the fault of privatized water companies and house builders. Yet Meek found that this was not the way that most of the local residents saw it. In Tewkesbury, Meeks wrote, uh, this is going to start a passage. In general, there is more hostility towards the government, the council, and the environment agency for not stopping housing building, for not stopping house builders than there is towards house builders for building houses or buyers for buying them. When insurers raise their premiums, more blame is directed at the government for not spending enough on flood defenses than at insurers for raising the premiums, or at people who chose to live in a flood-prone valley but don't like paying extra for it. I mean, we yeah. see that constantly in American life. Although, I'd say one difference is that we don't, like, we blame the government, but even in blaming the government, Americans just want to remove the government all around. It, won't, it wouldn't be like, oh, the government should have done more about insurance or whatever it's like the government shouldn't have been involved at all that's the only goddamn problem like there's a lot of blame for the government out here but i don't see it in a sense that the government could fix these things it's like we just need to get rid of it everything the government has ever intervened in has worse because of it and it's just such bullshit i mean that classic uh, reagan quote right 
government isn't the solution to your problems. Government is the problem. Right. And uh, I was just watching a thought slime video for we were doing this rather than realizing that I should have uh, or rather than looking for my copy of capitalist realism and then going to my storage unit and getting it. I was sitting around in my underwear watching um, thought slime and he was doing a response video to someone uh, that had responded to his video on landlords and that's one of the awesome things about especially YouTube but once you get popular enough you can just you don't even have to necessarily and I'm not saying that thought slime does this but you don't have to necessarily create new content you can just comment on people commenting about your old content and then you don't have to even do new ideas I mean I guess you have to do maybe research to, to respond but anyhow so he's responding to this guy and this guy this guy is a landlord in Canada uh, where Thought Slime is also from. The guy says, he's talking about um, regulations, which Thought Slime brings up something very interesting I'd never thought about. He's like, it's interesting that when we're talking about legislation that helps the working class, we call it regulations. And when it's other stuff, we call it uh, legislation. I've, I hadn't thought about that, yeah. but uh, that's that's uh, on point. But then the guy says, uh, the guy is talking about, you know, not being able to like uh, evict people or whatever. And he's like, honestly, he's like, let's be real. Let's be adults here. When was the last time government regulation helped anyone? <laughs> and, uh, and that is really the... Um, the way that a lot of Americans think yeah. too, they think that stuff like the eight hour work week and the five day or sorry, the eight hour work week, I wish, yeah, God okay. damn, the eight hour work day and the five day work week were things that companies just did out of uh, their benevolence. And they already have eroded it as much as possible. Like, right. It's good luck finding a person who actually works 40 hours a week. It's either right. under 40, so you don't get full-time, or it's over 40, because they're going to work you to the fuck. Or it's uh, under 40 at two different places. Yes. So you're yes. actually, like, working over 80 40. hours, yeah. or, like, you know, 70 hours, but whatever. So, yeah, it, it, and it just cracks me up, because it's not as though, like, if those regulations were removed, and ThoughtSign brings this up, too, we're not saying that these corporations, the people that run them, are intentionally evil or maniacal or whatever. If... Those regulations were removed and a firm continued to have a five-day work week. Theoretically, they're going to get outperformed by competing firms. So it's not like everyone is doing what they need to do to survive in the system. So like Thought Slime said at the beginning when he's like, I'm not uh, against landlords. I don't think this Matt dude is an evil dude or has evil intent. I think he wants to make the world a better place blah, blah. We're talking about structures. And it's really hard for conservatives to remember that because our culture, our, the dominant hegemony talks about the individual. It's all about the individual. That's why when we talk about even something like systemic racism with systemic in its name, people always <laughs> bring it back to, well, I don't want to feel guilty about racism or like, yeah. what am I supposed to do about racism or my uh, ancestors didn't own slaves. And it's like, no, we're not talking about you as an individual. We're talking about how we need to restructure systems. So anyhow, it's just, uh, um, I got on a huge rant. No, that was an awesome rant. No, it's super true. And just the concept of like, I can't think of any times, well, I'm sure there are, so I'm sure I'll get fucking into the wall on this one 
But there's not a ton of times where regulation comes out of nothing. Right. You know, it's not like every company was giving people reasonable work times or reasonable workplace safety. And they said, you know what, we're all doing this. Let's make it law anyway. That's not what happened. It was like, you know, read the jungle, read any of that shit. People worked in atrocious living conditions in a setup where the second that they couldn't perform these dangerous jobs, they were not able to gather any money or have any safety nets or anything. So it was like you literally were worked through a system until you were dead and the next person stepped up. They fought tooth and nail to have that shit not happen anymore. And that's the other thing is like they started with popular movements. The government didn't want to do this. People forced the government to do that for them. So it wasn't even a like random government intervention. It was thousands upon thousands of people begging, literally risking their lives against fucking, you know, company security and shit like that. Pinkertons. Pinkertons to fucking hopefully have a better style of life for the people that followed them. In this day and age, we've created some weird fucking narrative where the government did all of this just to fuck companies and take your freedoms away. And it's just like, what in the fuck, man? So I just um, got done listening to a book called uh, Injustices by this dude, Ian Milheiser, I think is how you pronounce his name. And he just talks about the Supreme Court in the U.S. from its uh, inception to the end. And he covers uh, landmark cases. It is crazy. I had no idea that for like every one case where the the justices were like, okay, maybe um, people should have the right to unionize. There were seven or eight or ten cases before that where the justices were saying people shouldn't have the right to unionize. Yeah. I remember, I think he was talking about um, bakeries. That was in the 19th century. That was one of the things that couldn't industrialize the same way a lot of other things could because of a variety of things. And so what happened is every tenement building had a bakery in its basement. And the bakers had to live live there because of their hours. They would literally, at the end of the day, sleep on top of the place where they needed the bread. And these floors, even if they had once had wood, because it's a bakery, the rats would have eaten away the wood and it would just be like dirt floors, basically. These people are protesting, being like, listen, if we live there and we're working as long as we, we are, we can't even go look for another job. Yeah. So this this facade of you have choice isn't even there for us. And the justices said something to the effect of we can't require the uh, the bakeries to give you um, shorter work days because then we would be infringing on their liberty as a business owner. Like, no joke. You know, like the arguments were made about liberty and freedom. And it was like the freedom and liberty basically to oppress and exploit others, you know? And something else, uh, thoughts I'm brought up is really important that I often don't think about is the word exploit. We often have a lot of negative connotation and baggage to it, but oftentimes when a Marxist or a socialist or anarchist is saying exploit, they mean it from a non-moral framework, meaning you are uh, using this thing or this person to its fullest extent, right? right? That's the other thing about conservatism. There's always this this desire to moralize. And that does seep into the left. It absolutely does. I find myself doing it too because of the cultural or hegemony. But we have to remember that we're not judging like 
I'm not saying that these individual bakery owners were shitbags. Right. Um, they had found a way that they could gain materially and pull themselves out of a shitty situation. And unfortunately, that takes, in our current system, exploiting others, meaning using them to their fullest capacity to do that. Right. Yeah, no, 100%. Continuing reading. <laughs> this syndrome was repeated on a much grander scale with a disaster of a different kind. The bank crisis of 08, or when we started being adults. Uh, the media focus was on the excess of an individual bankers and on the government's handling of the crisis, not on the systematic systemic causes of the crisis. I don't for a moment want to excuse new labor for its part in such disasters, but it has to be recognized that focus on government, like the focus on immoral individuals, is an act of deflection. Scapegoating an impotent government running around to clean up the messes made by its business friends arises from bad faith, from a continuing hostility to the nanny state that nevertheless goes alongside a refusal to accept the consequences of the sidelining of government and global capitalism. A sign, perhaps, that at the level of the political unconscious, it is impossible to accept that there are no overall controllers, that the closest thing we have to ruling powers now are nebulous, unaccountable interests exercising corporate irresponsibility. A case of fetishist disavowal. Perhaps we know perfectly well that the government is not pulling the strings, but nevertheless. The disavowal happens, in part, because the centerlessness of global capitalism is radically unthinkable. Although people are interpolated now as consumers, and, as Wendy Brown and others have pointed out, government itself is presented as a kind of commodity or service, they still cannot help but think of themselves as if they were citizens. Uh, all just super pithy. Yeah. Well, you know, and touches on a lot of the things we just talked about. Yeah. Still to this point, I mean, in America, you hear everything that the government did with that was wrong. The bailing out, the this, the that. But really, the only thing that went well from my historical knowledge of this crisis are the moves that governments made to shore this back in. Uh, and a lot of it started from shitty ass Goldman Sachs lying about bonds for Greece and ireland and shit so that they could join the eu which kind of they basically set it up so on the books it looked like those countries met those requirements the second they entered it was revealed that it was all built on non very like toxic assets yeah very low grade bond based off of generally a tech bubble in ireland that everybody knew wasn't going to continue so the eu got lied to by goldman sachs and then goldman sachs was like well it's not our fault see you later fuckers and that's kind of what precipitated it. So I want people blame the government for letting those countries in. Uh, at the same time, it's like everything uh, for allowing people blame the EU for allowing those countries into the EU. Okay. Um, but they were straight up lied to. They did their due diligence. They looked, and it you know it was once again financial companies realizing like if we can just scam this a little bit, we'll make a lot of money and get the hell out of here. Uh, and somehow. They aren't blamed. It's still the government. And I'm not saying nobody blames them, but the general consensus. And like Mark Fisher says, even when they are blamed, it's about, yet again, the individual rather than yes. the system, right? It's like, oh, Goldman Sachs or the head of Goldman Sachs are assholes yes. and they shouldn't yeah. be part of the government. And it's like, yeah, they shouldn't be part of the government and maybe they should be in jail. But we need to make a system where they couldn't even do that. They wouldn't have the impetus or the motivation and sometimes the demand to do that. Because like we said, if Goldman Sachs isn't doing it, then another um, banking entity is going to do that, yeah. right? 
Yep, and I'm okay with them losing some of their freedoms on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Uh, the closest that most of us come to a direct experience of the centerlessness of capitalism is an encounter with the call center. As a consumer in late capitalism, you increasingly exist in two distinct realities, the one in which the services are provided without hitch, and another reality entirely, the crazed Kafka-esque labyrinth of call centers, a world without memory where cause and effect connect together in mysterious, unfathomable ways, where it is a miracle that anything ever happens, and you lose hope of ever passing back over to the other side, where things seem to function smoothly. What exemplifies the failure of the neoliberal world to live up to its own PR better than the call center? Even so, the universality of bad experiences with call centers does nothing to unsettle the operating assumption that capitalism is inherently efficient. As if the problems with call centers weren't the systemic consequences of a logic of capital, which means organizations are so fixated on making profits that they can't actually sell you anything. The call center experience distills the political phenomenology of late capitalism. The boredom and frustration punctuated by cheerily piped PR, the repeating of the same dreary details many times to different poorly trained and badly informed operatives, the building rage that must remain impotent because it can have no legitimate object, since, as is very quickly clear to the caller, there is no one who knows, and no one who could do anything even if they could. Anger can only be a matter of venting. It is aggression in a vacuum, directed at someone who is a fellow victim of the system, but with whom there is no possibility of communality. Just as the anger has no proper object, it will have no effect. In this experience of a system that is unresponsive, impersonal, centerless, abstract, and fragmentary, you are as close as you can to be, con can be to confronting the artificial stupidity of capital in itself. I know he's going to go into the Kafka call center stuff. But like other examples of how terrible this kind of crap is, is like, have you ever owed money? Have you ever had a debt that was impacting your credit? Big time. Yeah, have you ever time. tried to fucking pay that debt off? Just trying to track down who even has your debt? Like, I, uh, it I, to I wait until the collection agencies call me because I don't want to fucking uh, do no, that. You know, dude, I have, I've found it and paid it a few times, but like a five or six years ago, I uh took out a best buy credit card loan to buy a laptop and i thought i had paid it off i did the payments in the like 12 month no interest thing and on my last payment i was like okay that's good and then uh like seven months later i opened up my uh or tax time came and whenever i do my taxes is like the only time of year i look at my credit report and i saw that i had this like 600 outstanding debt from best buy so i tried to track it down best buy's like oh no dude we sold that off a while ago I have not had a collection agency call me, and I cannot find where I can pay that fucking debt off. That's so frustrating. I don't know what to do. It's been on there long enough. My credit score has like recovered, but every time I look at it, I'm just like, and I have multiple times tried to track it down, and people just like send me all over uh, via call center style until I'm just like, well, fuck it. I guess I'll just owe this money still because I can't figure out even how to pay this. But private industry is so effective. So right, effective. right, right. And efficient. It's just, it's fucking crazy efficient. And I understand it has to do with the amount of money owed. But it's right. just so funny to me that like that for a laptop can slip into the ether. And then when um, Sarah doesn't pay uh, medical bills for her like time in inpatient uh, within a year, they're taking her to court, Jesus. you know, and it's just like. And the, the other thing I was going to say when you were reading that, it reminded me of the beginning of fucking Grapes of Wrath, 
when um, they're they're talking about like the the family getting evicted, the sheriff comes and they're like, oh my god, like how could you be doing this? And the sheriff's like, hey Frank or whoever, it's like it's not my thing. Like go talk to the bank, and they cruise down to the bank. And they're like, how could you do this? And they're like, well, it wasn't our idea. It was the bankers out east that told us yep. to do that, you know. And it's like, oh my god, yep. and it's and it's true. And it's like we said earlier, it's not like any one of those people is is inherently like, oh fuck these farmers. Right. It's just like the out. yeah, exactly. And nobody, and especially more in modern times than even grape of, Grapes of Wrath time, nobody's fucking connected to their job anymore. Like, the way people get treated, nobody has, like, you know, sometimes you'll have passion in the beginning of the job, or there'll be parts where there is passion. But in my anecdotal work experience, it's a much higher percentage of people who long ago reached that point that they are just fucking there. Well, especially when we're talking about bankers like investment banker, like the fire sort of people. Yeah. Um, what, what does fire stand for again? Uh, finance, investment, and real estate. Okay, yeah. If you went to any of those people and said, hey, if you didn't get a paycheck at the end of the day, would you do this? Would you do this as like a hobby? Right. No one would say, <laughs> yes, I would do this as a hobby. I would <laughs> trade around these digital entities for no money. No yeah. one's doing, you know, like, no. yes, there are people that, make food as a hobby and there and there are people that even enjoy hospitality hosting yeah. parties at their house but there's no one doing finance and 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 fucking real estate that would as a hobby a side note the only time i know where somebody did that they murdered somebody because of it back in the 80s have you ever heard of that billionaire boys club case uh, i don't believe so no okay so there's this dude back in the 80s uh named jonathan hunt and he had fucked up trading so much in new york that they took his license away and so he uh went to california and started a new like ponzi investment scheme with uh his rich friend's parents and so he's lost all of this money they're nine hundred thousand dollars in debt and people are starting to ask the money back so he decides to hook up with another well-known con man and this con man convinces the dude that he's given him five million dollars to trade with well fucking this is the first time he just knocks it out of the park. Within a few months, he's turned that $5 million into $14 million for a cool $9 million profits, which allows him to pay everybody back and have a bunch of extra money for himself. So he goes to collect the money, and the dude reveals to him that it was all fake money he set up for a documentary that he was making about financial traders. So it wasn't real money. He did all of those trades and shit just off of brokerage gave this other con man the documentarian con man a fake account to trade with it had no real money in it it just reflected real world circumstances and when the guy found out that he had done all that trading for nothing just straight up started murdering people so yeah. not all it's such a terrible thing to do that if you do it without money it will enrage you so much that you will start murdering right yeah yeah no one wants to do that yeah, yeah. Even I was just thinking like sometimes people talk, compare the stock market to gambling. And it's like even gambling, people don't want to do without money. Yeah. Like if you ever have friends that want to play poker and you're like, let's play for no money. Yeah. People are like, wait, what? That's no fun. Right. And it's like, okay, then why are we doing this? Because <laughs> I want your money. Uh, right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so anyway, uh, so uh, back to reading. There's no fixed exchange with Castle, no central exchange which transmits our calls further. When anybody calls up the Castle from here, the instruments in all the subordinate departments ring. 
or rather, they would ring if practically all the departments, I know this for a certainty, didn't leave their receivers off. Now and then, however, a fatigued official may feel the need of a little distraction, especially in the evenings and at night, and may hang the receiver on. Then we get an answer, but of course, an answer that's a practical joke. And that's very understandable, too, for who would take the responsibility of interrupting, in the middle of the night, the extremely important work that goes on furiously the whole time, with a message about his own private troubles? I can't comprehend how even a stranger can imagine that when he calls up Sordini, for example, it's Sordini that answers. Kay's response anticipates the bewildered frustration of the individual in the call center labyrinth. Although many of the conversations with the call center operatives appear dadaistically nonsensical, they cannot be treated as such, cannot be dismissed as being of no significance. That's a good point. I didn't know it was like that, certainly, said Kay. I couldn't know all of these peculiarities, but I didn't put much confidence in those telephone conversations, and I was always aware that the only things of any importance were those that happened in the castle itself. No, said the superintendent, holding firmly onto the word. These telephone replies from the castle certainly have a meaning. Why shouldn't they? How could a message given by an official from the castle not be important? <laughs> the supreme genius of Kafka was to have explored the negative atheology proper to capital. The center is missing, but we cannot stop searching for it or positing it. It is not that there is nothing there. It is that what is there is not capable of exercising responsibility, which also... Uh, is the basis of so many conspiracy theorists, I feel. They want that center there. They want something there to put this blame on instead of the fact that we created this fucking out-of-control system that has nothing resembling what you could call a human moral compass. You know, I mean, yeah. Yep. As fun as it is to blame the Illuminati or, you know, the people at the center of shit, it's not. We live in a fucking random collection of chaos in a system that protects you very little. Right. Well, and it's the same thing with like pedophilia, you know, and like child molestation. It's so much more comfortable thinking that there's like a grand cabal conspiracy of elites uh, molesting children rather than stepfathers right. and, or and just fathers and truck drivers or right. like yes. they just busted for the second time in two years. They just did a huge bust in Georgia, found 263 missing kids. No way. Yep. So, wow. Well, let me make that number might be higher than I thought. Hold on. That we're still alive? Yeah. Yep. Wow. Oh, my bad. My bad. The last bust was the big one, but this time they found 39 children as of five hours ago. Damn. Damn. All of them sex trafficking victims. So with the cabal thing, it's like, okay, all we have to do is throw those specific people in prison or kill them and it's over. Whereas... In reality, there are cultural socioeconomic factors or socioeconomic factors that are resulting in people uh, preying on children. And fixing that is so much more complicated than just getting rid of those people. Yep. This doesn't really tie in, but I, I just want to talk about it because it was bugging me. I was outside earlier um, having my tea and smoking a cigarette rather than going to my storage unit and getting my uh, copy of Capitalist Realism, I hear this lady, this lady pulls up in her car, opens her car, she's unloading stuff, and she's got uh, talk radio just cranked up. And Sean Hannity, he's like, you know, we can pretty much guess how many people 
are going to be murdered in Chicago this weekend. And he's like, you know, the eight years that Obama and Biden were uh, in office, they did nothing to curb that violence. And now they're talking about how they want to give uh, free college, health care, jobs guarantee, Green New Deal, and yet they can't fix the murders. And it's just, it blows me away that even someone like Sean Hannity doesn't understand the connection between housing, health care, which includes mental health care, right? Education and murder. If people have those things, the likelihood of them being involved in gangs and being involved in violence over selling drugs or whatever, or turf is minimal, right? They don't want to see any improvement. They just want the uh, negative aspects to be so afraid that they just take. Well, and they just think that if you just have cops drive in and arrest every black person, throw them in jail, then it will be fine. And it's like, yeah. no, dude. Although no. every research shows that that has actually exacerbated the problems yes. in these communities. Uh, has guaranteed that they will not be able to get a job when they are released from prison. Yep. Uh, as we know and have discussed. No, it's 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 fucking crazy. These uh, to me it's just the fact that if you took any of these assholes money away, they would be begging for handouts so fucking much. They already do. Yeah, you know, dude, they the already they do. Compare shit like yesterday, you know, right now just in real time, uh you know, the NBA and stuff, the Jacob Brown shooting. There's been another round of civil disobedience if you will, and the NBA players uh went on strike and Trump came out and said the nba is a political fucking entity and needs to be treated as such we can't let people get away with this shit and then it's like dude a the nba is a private business that pays fucking taxes so they can do whatever the fuck they want but somehow you don't see that with churches a right. tax-free entity that has like no repercussions for anything but yep. it's the nba that you're pissed at if you want businesses to not be able to promote certain political ideals which I would be totally okay with that. But Trump doesn't want to change laws to, to restrict what companies can say because then his my pillow friend is going right. to have to shut the fuck up. Yep. It's easy for especially wealthy conservatives or wealthy people in general to think that politics is some nebulous, abstract thing that is removed from life. And it's like, no, for the majority of us, those things are inseparable. You cannot live life without um, experiencing politically made decisions, whether it be the potholes or um, the cops bothering me for being in the park after the park is quote unquote closed or whatever. Yeah. What I'm also so fucking sick of is, do you know who's supposed to be making these statements and doing these things? Fucking politicians. But we live in a country where actors, comedians, sports stars who make more money than these politicians are willing to risk their careers for their beliefs. But politicians themselves will never say anything like that. They will very, I mean, there are a few. I don't mean to, uh, you right. know, look badly upon people like AOC. Um, you know, there are some politicians out there. But the vast majority of them, the reason that NBA players and shit have to do this is because their local representatives don't fucking say or do shit about these problems. So they take what power they have to do it. And I, for one, uh, have an unbelievable amount of respect for these people. Um, you know, even people like Jim Gaffigan or whatever, finally coming out of the woodworks. Jim Gaffigan, a man who I would assume has a largely conservative uh, listener base to his comedy because he does 
uh, a clean comedy. Hot pocket. Right, exactly. He is now coming out talking about how terrible Trump is and, you know, talking. He had some tweet about socialism the other day not being what conservatives think it is. And they're just shitting down his throat. And it's everybody being like, just shut the fuck up. You're just a comedian. And to me, it's like, no, dude, this is a dude who got so fed up with shit, a living, thinking human who does things outside of comedy, just like everybody listening does things outside of their fucking job, um, that was willing to risk his livelihood to fucking make his statement. You know, look at Colin Kaepernick. That dude gave up an insanely, a chance at an insanely prolific NFL career to speak his mind and has truly suffered consequences from it. These aren't people that we need to be talking shit of. These are people that, well, and they are thankfully looked up, uh, looked up upon in certain circles but i mean these are actual american heroes yeah and i'll say two things i heard a, a WNBA star on the news say we're we're basketball players but when we go home we are still black women right so it's not like these things don't impact us you know and then second of all people like jim gaffigan people comedians much like other artists and stuff to be able to do art properly, you need to be able to observe the world. If yeah. you're good at observing the world and you need to have empathy, right? You need to be able to put yourself in other people's shoes. If you can do those two things, then more likely than not, you're going to arrive at certain conclusions and eventually you're going to be compelled to, to share those conclusions. Right. And those things affect your life as well. Why are you not allowed to talk about things that affect you, get to you, make you angry? And that that is a huge conservative thing is like, as long as we can convince people they shouldn't talk about these things, we'll have the upper hand. Um, Totally. That's why every fucking, not every, but so many, I have a few people on Facebook who are politically very, or post politically active things. um, And I very rarely participate, but I'll read comments. And nine out of 10 times, dude, middle aged folks are just saying, why are you doing, you know, um... what is the phrase they always use side court politics or something like that like why do you feel like you have any ability to say this and so yeah it's just like that convinced me that people shouldn't even be allowed to talk about politics since you uh have uh have the book are we uh are we we ready to wrap up for this part ready to wrap up yes sir yes sir you know uh next episode um where do we start uh, top of page 66. Excellent. We'll excellent. Yep. And uh, we appreciate, uh, you know, um, everyone uh, being understanding about this being the, the second recording of this. Well, and now that we've finished it, uh, it's an amazing episode. So, really. Yeah, totally. Uh, I mean, uh, we're glad that we didn't have Mark Fisher come back on us. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he, he, he didn't, he didn't add, to yeah, yeah, he didn't add anything. Anyhow, yeah, we look forward to, uh, uh, you know, uh, the, the next episode. Thanks. Have a great day.